the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. I'd like to pray again before I start. Let's just pray again. Lord, I just uh, my prayer is that no need would go unmet today by being in your presence. I pray, Lord, that there would be uh, souls encouraged, eyes lifted to you, and that we would just know your presence in this place and know your healing and know that you are the rock, our refuge and our stronghold in Jesus' name. Amen. I just sense that. Be encouraged for being here. Uh, I was excited to... uh, Drive in, in this this morning, I, I we celebrated um, a, a wedding in Thai, uh, where was it Fielding last week, and uh, yeah, we really missed you guys. So here we are, and uh, it's great to be back. And I really encourage, want to encourage you today for being here. Our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews twelve verse twenty nine. For our God is a consuming fire. Today, uh, we're kind of coming to the end of a series in Hebrews, and so this message is a kind of a wrap-up of the major themes of Hebrews. And if we were to sum up the book of Hebrews in one phrase, it might be as simple as Hebrews contains a thread of warnings alongside the glorious promises of God's sustaining power. I'll say that again. Hebrews contains a thread of warnings alongside the glorious promises of God's sustaining power. That's really it in a nutshell. But as we know, it's quite important that we don't reduce Scripture to a nutshell. (laughs) We can't. But sometimes it's helpful to simplify things in order to magnify truth. Amen? So we're simplifying a little bit, saying those two things are really quite strong throughout Hebrews. This trail of warnings plus all the promises to keep going and overcome. So over, over recent weeks, we've been encouraged to keep our, our eyes on Jesus, to keep on believing, to live by faith, to overcome whatever comes against us to resist choosing temporary things over eternal values, and to stay in fellowship with believers. And you're all doing that right now, so I'm preaching to the converted. (laughs) And we read similar themes in other books and in other parts of the New Testament. We read similar themes to this, but Hebrews brings us the unique warning that to neglect these things, any of those things I just read out, to neglect those things could even risk our very salvation. There's an urgency about Hebrews that should jolt us out of complacency and propel us towards serving with gratitude, uh, with humility and a holy fear. And for anyone who's been to England, a holy fear. (laughs) <laughs> a holy fear. When preachers, you know, mention 
uh, hell as a real place prepared for the devil and unbelievers, the reaction is often, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? No one ever asks, how could a holy God send anyone to hell? Because God is holy. His love is a holy love. Because God's holy, his love is a holy love. And he will never be content with less than holiness for the ones he loves. And Hebrews emphasizes that point. Let's just look at some of the things that we see throughout Hebrews. First one, chapter 9, verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 1031, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Some versions say terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then today's passage, 12 verses 28 and 29, let us be thankful and so worship God with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. And I guess it's with these warnings in mind that we are going to now turn and just read today's passage, which is Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. So let's really read Hebrews 12, 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable servants, service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Bit of a stern reading today. And these verses contain many strong words. Words like refuse. Escape, warned, shake, shaken, strong words. And in essence, the writer is saying that when all is weighed and sifted, what really matters will be those things that cannot be shaken. What are those things? The things that cannot be shaken is God, his people, and his word. Those three things, God, his people, us, and his word will last forever. Everything else will be tested by God's fire and shaken to see if it was worthy of our awesome, holy God. King Jesus and his kingdom, which cannot be shaken, is our solid foundation. And he is worthy of our praise and thanks. Amen.
He's worth giving our lives for. He's worthy of our full attention, our affection, and our devotion. He cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. Of course, we need to cut the grass. I mean the real grass. <laughs> we need to put out the rubbish. I'm not speaking figuratively. We need to cut the grass. <laughs> we need to put the, put the rubbish out. We need to pay our bills. We need to love our families and run our businesses. But as I've said many times, it's all about the heart, isn't it? Where our heart is today. And it's about who we trust the most. We can have those things, but just don't trust in them. There's a cost to discipleship, to, to this being a follower of Jesus. There's a cost. And Hebrews brings us out to following Jesus when our world is shaken. And Hebrews makes this clear in verse 28, where we are encouraged to offer up acceptable service and reverence and awe when the shaking starts. Not when it's all over and all sorted. We're to offer up praise in the shaking, in the midst of it. And I know for some, perhaps here today, this could be a step too far. Some here may be happy with the safe Jesus, meek and mild, who meets our needs and gets us parking spaces. But this fire-wielding, all-consuming Jesus is scary. Hebrews speaks often of not falling away when troubles come. And that can happen if your view of Jesus is he's always going to give you stuff. An old elder in our last church wisely once said, the true Christian sticks to the calling and learns to get along in fellowship even when there's disagreements. I've never forgotten that statement. One word that stands out throughout all of Hebrews is the word afterward. Afterward. This word contains promise and warning, as we'll see in a minute. But first, were you ever told as a child, your day will come? <laughs> Hang on, son. Your day will come. Once you grow up, you'll be able to do, you know, this and that. You'll be allowed to do ABC. Just be patient, it'll happen. I can say as the youngest of five, that was what I was told frequently. In other words, afterwards, after this time of life, after all this, all that happens, your time will come. When I was a child, my older brothers and sisters were a part of a very big Bible class, 50 or 60. And they could fill a bus and go to the snow. They could, you know, have square dances on the lawn. And I just looked out through the window. Um, and my day was going to come. And when it did come, there was like 10 on a good night. <laughs> but hey, it's all about perspective. And, and I think that experience just taught me that afterwards it'll be different. Afterwards, it could be different. Two weeks ago, we read in, in Hebrews 12, verse 11, that all discipline, Jeremy 
taught us on dis- disciples, uh, discipline, really, that all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Isn't that wording amazing? Seems not to be joyful. Isn't that lovely? Don't you just love that wording? You know, we might say, at the time, discipline sucks, but it says, <laughs> in the moment, it seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards, after all of that, it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. There's the promise. Afterwards, you will survive. There's an afterwards. After it all is tough. It stink at the time, but afterwards it yields a harvest. See, discipline is for our good. Afterwards, we will survive it stronger, more resilient, mature, and useful. We employ quite a few guys on the farm, and it very quickly becomes aware that some have never perhaps been trained or given fatherly advice and discipline. And they take offense very easily. It's very hard to win them background or teach them new things. And uh, being disciplined makes you teachable. You realize it's for your good, even if you don't like it at the time. You don't like hearing that you've done it wrong or that you could do it better. Earlier this year, we had a team, a lovely team from the Catalyst Movement come. Many of you remember those six young people. They arrived trained and willing. They'd been pumped up in boot camp. They came ready to go, ready to serve, and they were humble. And they were just so lovely to work with because they were trained. Discipline opens up opportunity. Discipline leads to usefulness in Matthew 21 verse 29 Jesus tells of a man with two sons he asked the first to work in the vineyard and he said no but afterward he regretted it and regretted letting dad down so he went the father asks the second son and perhaps the second son sort of wanting to show up his brother a bit says yeah yeah count me in yeah yeah no worries And then he slopes off. Afterwards, afterwards, after a bad call, the first son repents and went back to work. Is that that you today? You think, man, I've blown it. I'm going to go and do that thing that I said I wouldn't. You haven't blown it. It's where you land. It's where you end up that counts. The story is told because it counts what you did in the end. Not what you said you'd do, but what you did. So not what you promised at the start, but what you actually end up doing. Hebrews 10, verse 32, speaks about uh, after being enlightened, this word, afterwards, suffering and persecution came. Things got worse before they got better. I tell new Christians, things could very well get rough before they improve. Beyond your imagination, trials are inevitable, but afterwards comes the blessing. In 1 Samuel 24 verse 5, we read about a golden opportunity. 
If it was a movie, it's where the good guy would finally win after a long, you know, over a long-standing enemy. David and his men are in a cave. Saul comes in to do his business. You don't get much more vulnerable than that. And the guys are like, hey, David, he's your enemy. Get him. And David creeps forward and just takes a tiny bit off his coat. And afterwards, he feels terrible. He's feeling terrible for, for even touching Saul's cloak and cutting a piece off. He regrets it and he holds his men back. Don't you dare touch this man. He is God's anointed. See, long after that, in God's timing, and after a lot of times of doing it right, and it was costly, came the reward. God's blessing. For us, maybe it's a promotion or a get-rich-quick scheme that seem attractive at the time, but we've got to say, is this God's timing? Is this the right thing? Will it be good for the family? You know, afterwards, we often look back and say, that was great, I didn't get that, or I didn't get that bargain, or I didn't get involved with that get-rich scheme. In John 5.8, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. After 38 years of trying to get into the pool, Jesus heals him. He's stoked, and he tells everybody. So Jesus slips away, avoiding the limelight. But afterwards, he catches up in verse 14 and says, sin no more. You see, there's pastoral care right there. Jesus just didn't leave this guy in limbo. He comes back and gives him tools to carry on. After the hype, the excitement of the miraculous, Jesus finds us. See, those are some of the promises of good coming after bad. But we see that afterwards can also mean regret. And as Mark shared last week, Afterwards, Esau regretted selling his birthright for a single meal. He put his appetite ahead of the kingdom. He put temporary things ahead of eternal. Afterwards, though he sought his birthright with tears, it was too late. Hebrews 12, 17. So too, the five foolish virgins in Matthew 25, 11 were too late getting back with the oil. They missed the feast and the door was shut, but much more importantly, they missed the bridegroom. Don't miss opportunities to come to know Christ. Invest time with him. Prepare to be blown away by him and in awe of his majesty every day. Don't be too busy away getting the oil when he's turned up. I believe the oil speaks of that intimacy with the Father and with Jesus. I believe that oil is, is the fellowship. What a tragedy they missed out. Do you know him? Do you spend time in his presence? One of the verses that kept Jenny and I in youth ministry for years was Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, 
His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. You see, the calling to follow Jesus does not always bring happiness. It's not always easy. It's not popular. It's not understandable at times. It's not free of doubt, loss, and persecution. But afterwards, and mostly during, the joy is inexpressible. He's amazing. There is joy inexpressible. I've just felt that so many times, even lately. Afterwards means we will survive. We'll be there for it. That's a good word when we're living for Jesus. Afterwards, we'll see God. Facing God, our consuming fire, will hold no fear as long as we are in Christ when it matters at the end. After this life, afterwards, we will have eternity to create, to love, to worship, to work, and to enjoy Jesus. Does that bring you hope today? Brings me hope. It's worth it. He's worth it. Hebrews equips us for the worst, but it highlights the promises and the rewards for those who endure the pain for the gain and who remain in Christ till the end. Amen. Thank you, God, for your word, for Hebrews, Lord, for these warnings that propel us into action, that propel us forward, that we don't linger in the past, that we don't hang on to the past, we don't drag along all of that baggage from the past. Lord, we can let it go and just know you've got it. You've got us. You've got the future. Lord, I just thank you. You are a consuming fire that will burn up all the things that don't matter. Lord God, we just thank you that you're unshakable, that we're on solid ground, that we have a God who is almighty. He is love. You are light, and you're a consuming fire. We just go forward today knowing we've been in the presence of of the living God. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.